Mike the Big Cheese. Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. Man, we're almost done with the month of November. I cannot believe it. Right there, Sabotage with Sirens. We were supposed to have Zach Stevens on tonight, even though that's not the Zach Stevens era of the band. Uh, he's in rehearsals with TSL. They kind of had to postpone all the interviews this week. Uh, it should take place, I think, another week until we'll have him on. But we got a great show for everybody tonight. Brian Holland of Reverence. 
They haven't spoken to Brian in a couple of years since the last record came out. They got a brand new album out. And Keith Turnout from Shallow Ground. Stick around. It's going to be a good one tonight. My partner in crime, uh, you know, he's going to be lost in the mix until football season is over. Tommy is uh, watching the Giants game on Sunday night, so uh, he won't be around like usual. But we should have him back sometime in February. <laughs> Unless hockey gets going and then on Sunday nights we'll lose him for the hockey season. All right. Let me see what we can do for everybody right now. Let's go into a couple more tunes uh, before Brian calls in. We'll find out what's going on in the world of heavy metal this week. Uh, the big news, I guess, was, you know, Filthy Phil, Animal Tail, he passed away uh, this week. 61 years old. I mean, kind of young. But uh, I think it was about a year or so ago, maybe two years ago, uh, him and uh, Fast Eddie Clark joined Lemmy and the new, you know, the newer version of Motorhead, which has actually kind of been together for 20-something years on stage. Uh, did the Ace of Spades, but he didn't play. And you can see that he kind of looked sickly back then. I don't know what happened or what caused his death. Uh, but I'm sure he's in a better place right now, and it's better than suffering. So our condolences to him, the band, and the family. He was a great drummer, put out some killer bangs back in the day. Let's do some Motorhead first. How does that sound? We'll also send the song out to our fellow brothers and sisters in Paris because those Muslim terrorists are at it again, killing a lot of people this weekend. So here's Motorhead with Sweet Revenge.
All right, out of Alaska, Snow White, Give It Us New Messiah. They had that great EP out. There were three songs on there, but that's all the band ever did, and you kind of never heard from them again. I have to look for I think it came out like 1985. I have to try to find the member of that band and uh, see if I can get them on the show and uh, talk about that. Uh, but uh, it seems like since the only thing that we ever talk about in this chat room is the size of our penises or someone else's penis, I'll tell you a story. About 10 years ago, I had to go in for colon cancer surgery. So I'm in the hospital, and they're prepping me for surgery, and they roll me into the room, and I got these two pretty good-looking, you know, female nurses that are going to be in there with the doctor. I'm not thinking about the cancer. I'm not thinking about the surgery. I'm thinking if I stack up to the rest of the people that have come into that room, <laughs> that's the only thing going on in my mind. And I remember when the surgery was over, I wake up, and I have to go to the bathroom. I have to pee. And I'm trying to get up. They're like, no, no, you can't get up. They're like, just go. I'm like, I can't. I'm, I'm going to go on myself. They're like, no, no, you got a catheter in you. It's okay. Go ahead. Now, I had no idea they stuck that up in me during the surgery because I've never been in the hospital before. I had no clue. So I remember like a day or two later when I was getting better, they, they went to go remove it from me. So the nurse that was doing it was like, uh, you know, she's making a small talk with me and blah, blah, blah. She goes, we're just going to pull it out. We're going to yank it out. I said, okay, great. So she takes it out and I go, everything okay? She goes, yeah. She goes, you know, if... Uh, if you're not well endowed, if you're small, we have to put the balloon in the catheter to, like, you know, make it bigger so we can fit it in there. So I was like, did you put a balloon in there? She goes, no, you didn't need a balloon. I was like, thank God. She goes, listen, I wouldn't break it. You didn't need the balloon. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so that was the end of that. But life happens, right? Okay. Let's keep the show going right here. We'll get on a couple of more tunes. Brian will be calling in in about uh, 10 minutes or so. We'll do one or two more tunes. We'll jump into some reverence music after that. How about we do some, uh, let me see. That's just some intruder with Cobley Killer.
by a dead engine, in case you didn't know, they are rabid. Good band from back in the day. I haven't played them on the show in a little while. Uh, you know, Brian should be calling in in about five minutes. So let's jump to a track off the brand new Reverence record. We'll talk to Brian all about that. Let's see what I can squeeze in during this time. How about we do Until My Dying Breath? All right, when this is over, Brian should be ready to call in. job on that tune. We'll wait for Brian to call in uh, and we'll, you know, just do a little BS in between now and then. Uh, it's like I, I've been talking, I've been hoping that, you know, King Diamond will kind of read Merciful Fate. Jeremy kind of put news out there a while ago that it will happen. 
but I don't think it's going to happen next year, and I was kind of hoping that it would. Uh, but Andy LaRock says that the band's going into the studio in the beginning of the year to work on a new King Diamond record. Uh, so I don't think there'll be any Mercer Fate reunion coming next year, but I hope that they can make it happen, and, and sooner than later. Uh, but I know uh, this Saturday I'm going to be heading to the Best Buy Theater in the city to interview uh, Steve Zetro Zusa uh, from Exodus uh, before the King Diamond show, and they're out there doing the whole Abigail record. Uh, so that should be pretty cool. Oh, you know what? I think we got Brian on the line. Let me uh, get him on the air, and we'll get this interview going. <clears throat> hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, Mike, how are you? Thanks for having Good. me on the show. Uh, anytime. It's been way too long. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, it's uh, we've been working hard on this new record, so now you got me. <laughs> all right, that's all that matters. Well, hey, I, we just played uh, until my dying breath before you came on. I mean, I, I love the record, and you managed to like bring the old classic sound with the new metal sound melded together so like effortlessly. It's just incredible. Uh, thanks. I'm not quite sure how we did that. <laughs> just, um, <laughs> uh, in all honesty, we just kind of, uh, I guess, right. Uh, what we, what we grew up with and what we kind of grew up loving. And, and I know that there's some bands that kind of bleed through our material. And uh, I mean, I'm, I, some of it's conscious, some of it's unconscious. I know there's a little priest vibe in there and unconsciously because we have Doc in the band, we have, you know, a little sabotage feel because I'm a big sabotage fan. Um, Pete and I, the other guitarist, we worship at the altar of Chris Oliva. So <laughs> we, uh, you know, we can't help that, uh, but, uh, you know, ultimately just kind of write the best material that we can. And if those bands kind of bleed through on our stuff, that's great. But, um, yeah. I we just kind of do it uh, and just and and I I'm just digging that everybody is enjoying the album. Uh, I think they will if they haven't heard it yet. And he was talking about Chris Oliva, you know, and uh, <clears throat> we were supposed to have Zach Stevens on tonight's show, uh, but something happened with the rehearsals and he couldn't make it. But do you, being such a sabotage fan and, and a fan of Chris, do you feel like there are two different sabotage camps, like you know, the pre gutter ballet and the post gutter ballet band? Are there two different bands too? Do you feel like it's all the same? Uh, no, no, no. It's completely different. I, I have my sabotage to me is up until Chris died in 1993. So I count even the Edge of Thorns record because it still had Chris, even though it didn't have John. Yeah. Um, and then without Chris, and even though John came back writing, uh, but not singing, even with the stuff with Alec, it was just a totally different band. Even the whole vibe of the music, it wasn't really metal. It was completely turned because Paul O'Neill got involved and we could have a whole conversation <laughs> on this. But to me, yeah, they're completely two different bands. That's exactly when, to me, we kind of got the prequel to TSO. Is Absolutely. Is immediately after Chris died. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like you said, such a big fan, and I'm glad that you have the new record out. It's, when you look at it, it's only been three years uh, since when Darkness Calls came out. Not a, not a lot of time in between albums, you know. I mean, it's not like the, the 70s where Kiss put out two records a year and other bands did, but in today's business and in today's you know model of the record industry, that's pretty impressive. Well, I, I, we've heard it both ways. I mean, people have gone, wow, three years, you know, that's a long time. Well, we, we, we actually were going to do a tour the, the year after it came out and scuttled that because it just wasn't working. Um, we couldn't get certain paperwork in line with contracts and so on, so we waited till the next year. And so that means we ended up taking like, like basically a whole year off writing, and then by the time we got back from that tour, then we started writing. Well, that took another year. So there we, we got three years that have lapsed, and it kind of went by quickly, but we really actually hoped this had gotten out 
uh, last year. But we will not make that same mistake because we've got – we wrote 23 songs for this record. Wow. Uh, recorded – I think we recorded 15 to 17 songs. So we have some that are left over, obviously, some that just won't make it because they weren't good enough anyways. Um, and I'm hell-bent on making another record available by next uh, – this time next year. Oh, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So we're I'm really, really wanting to, to make that happen. Uh, hopefully the stars align, but we also got a live album that's already done and completed that we that we recorded on that uh, Dark When Darkness Calls tour, and uh, we got a live DVD and, and a live album that's already finished uh, except for the artwork. So that hopefully will be coming out by the early part of next year. Oh, that's great. Now, Brian, you were saying you wrote like a lot of songs, you recorded them, but a lot of songs won't make it because they just went up to the cut. When you're writing songs like that, do you feel like they fall apart like before they get recorded and you try to make it work or after you record you say, you know what, this really doesn't live up to what we thought or what, you know, the intentions that we had for that song? Well, we, we actually, I mean, all those songs got demoed. So we, we bring them up to a demo point um, where we can start tearing stuff apart and tree it. We try as best we can to spend the time to make it and, and polish the turd because, I mean, you get a kind of a grasp up front whether or not, well, it's kind of a good riff, it's not really great, but or the melody isn't the greatest as it could be. It's not as good as this song over here. But you try to work it and try to mold it because even some of the songs that are on this record, they kind of started out that way. Like Cleanse by Fire uh, was definitely a work in progress. It uh, Right up until the very final mixes, it was on the, on the cusp of getting cut. Um, so I, we, we definitely um, try to do our best, but you, you get a pretty good grasp early on that maybe this one isn't going to make it. But, you know, you work it you work it uh, best you can and make it happen, and if it doesn't make it, it doesn't make it. You know, it's yeah. Out there. Have you ever had that riff in your head that you finally get down and you're like, this is just amazing, it blows me away, but you can never make it work in a song no matter how many times you try? Yeah, yeah, I've got songs like that that have been from the first record that I'm still trying to work on even for the next record. So I just like, man, this is such a great riff, but I just can't seem to. And hopefully magically it will come together with, you know, putting our heads together and I give it to Rossi and Rossi's like, oh, it just came to me, you know. But maybe the stars didn't align for the, the last couple records. So, yeah, I still definitely have a lot of really great riffs, but we can't seem to take it anywhere. That happens for sure. Yeah. Well, what's impressive is that you've managed to keep the same lineup of the band since you formed pretty much, except for Ned is out of the band, I think, in the last year or so, and you, and you got Mike in on bass now, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. Ned, Ned's a great guy. We love Ned. Ned loves us. <laughs> it's all a big uh, love fest, but he just wanted to concentrate on doing his thing with Jack, and, and I admire that. You know, he spent a lot of time with Jack, a lot more than he spent with us, and he becomes, you know, he's a main writer with Jack, so... Uh, primarily the writers within us, within reverences, Todd, myself, and Pete Rossi. So it, it would actually kind of push him out a little bit. And, and I, I understand him, you know, his point of view completely. So we're all still good friends. Yeah. Is that one of the hardest parts of being in a band today is maintaining a lineup with people that are willing to dedicate it? Because, you know, there are times when you're really active. There are times when, you, you know, you're kind of laying low and things aren't happening. And is it difficult keeping people together during that those time periods? Well, the three of us, the core writers of the band, that's pretty simple. Uh, I mean, we have our times too, but um, Doc, Doc Knox, he's never been a writer, uh, even when he was with Sabotage. So, you know, he's pretty dependable. Uh, there's been times when he hasn't been able to tour. So we have uh, Lorenzo Gonzalez came out. He was with me in Tokyo Blade. 
and he's he's kind of, he's even in some of the pictures and stuff that we did because we didn't want to to leave him out and he actually is on a couple of songs on the record because we didn't want to you know be rude to him and and kind of cut him out completely when he's covering covering for Doc when he can't play, but um, in in reality it hasn't been real tough keeping everybody together. Um, I, and I completely understand with with Ned, and even before Ned on the first record, there was Frank Krukel who played with me in Tokyo Blade, and he left just to simply he wanted to he had a young family, and wanted to dedicate more time to them. So um, so far it's just the bass players that are turning around. We got a thing with bass players. <laughs> it's it's always those bass players. It's it's never anybody else. They're nothing but troublemakers. <laughs> That's all right. We've got good guys. We've always had good guys. Well, Brian, I mean, I mean, you've been in the business a long time. You've been in a lot of bands. I mean, since but since Reverend started, you know, five or six years ago, have you seen the music starting to change, the scene starting to change, starting to pick up? Because the band came out when it just started to peak again, and there was a lot of interest coming, and there were a lot of younger fans getting into that classic metal sound. How has it evolved over the last five years for the band? Have you seen? Is it easier now than it was five years ago, like to get attention with the band based on the scene, you know, picking up again? I think I think we are. We're just we're, we probably aren't going to start booking any shows until just after the new year. But I know there's still a, there's a bunch of interest for us to come over to Europe. I still think the for the majority of the U.S. I think it's still pretty a pretty bad scene. Um, I, I've seen a lot of even local venues dry up and, and close up. Uh, venues in, in Detroit that you know aren't that aren't what they were. So I don't think I've seen a whole lot of change in the states. Uh, Europe, I, I, obviously, they've had their problems with the economy and such. But uh, as far as our level, I think our level, obviously, with another a new record, is has uh, gotten a, maybe a touch easier, just because we are growing on, is getting some more attention and a little bit more notoriety as far as, uh, especially who's been connected to other bands in this group. So that's definitely been an aid to us with with Doc and myself being in, in previous bands and now, now Todd's in Riot, uh, Riot V. So um, that just aids us for sure. Where other bands don't have that luxury, we're very fortunate. Yeah. Do you think it's just a, in the U.S., do you think it's just a live scene that's suffering where people aren't coming out to the shows? Where like in Europe, I mean, yeah, besides buying the records, they do show up to the shows and the festivals are like too numerous to even mention. There's just so many of them that take place over there. But you think it's just tough here getting crowds out because of the lack of clubs? Or I mean, here in New York, uh, you know, we have the borough of Brooklyn. Uh, it's become like the rock capital, uh, you know, of the area lately. I mean, there are club after club popping up, and they're kind of packing them in. Not the biggest clubs, you know, a couple hundred people can fit into each one, but it's doing really well here. But you know, New York is a big city. Yeah, yeah. I think the big cities are gonna are gonna be the ones that flourish, where you get the smaller towns. Um, obviously, it's drying up. People, their people's attention are split between. I mean, I actually read an article where Pornhub. And not to get totally off topic, but Pornhub was complaining that their 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 uh, traffic had dropped at least ten percent because a new uh, Fallout Four game had came out. So people are are pulled away from even porn uh, to go and play games. So definitely they're going to let music go. Um, and there's just too many things. There's Facebook. There's iPads. There's all kinds of stuff that pulls people attention that wasn't there when we were younger. Um, and I just think it's the difference between Europe and America. The, the fans, they're more fickle here. Um, not that we know nothing against the, the support that we have. We really appreciate it. We've had pretty good sales so far in the States. But it just isn't quite the same uh, tenacity in the fans between the, 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 the continents. It's uh, completely different over the pond. 
No, I know exactly what you're saying. It is. It's a shame, too, because, you know, you have people like myself who are dying to see bands like yourself come to town because I want to go see that music live. I still know what it's like to go to a club and enjoy the night out and, and have a good time with the music. But, yeah, I think the, the younger kids are just too distracted with everything else going on to just get out and socialize and enjoy a good show. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, we're probably regarded as as dinosaurs. You know, I mean, we're we're not young guys, and the new thing we are not. Um, you know, it's it, we're not the One Direction, Justin Bieber, and they're gonna they're gonna get old someday too, and it'll be somebody else. So, we're still pulling on on the heartstrings of people like us from you know listening back and enjoying and loving that stuff from back when we were younger. And I think everybody does that to a point. Still, there's still somebody out there that loves the Bee Gees, you know, and they're not yeah. really relevant. So it, it's just, I think, par for the course is just how things progress. But I think uh, when you throw in all the mix of everything else and all the attention-drawing things in life now that weren't there when we were younger, it, it really puts music in, in the back seat, way, way in the back seat. It just isn't important anymore. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've seen, we've all seen things like that we had when we were kids, whether it's jobs or items, kind of just disappear over the years. They're just completely irrelevant today, and they've gone the way to Dodo Bird. Do you think live music is going to, is that, is that going to have to live music or even recorded music? Because you say, you know, when Priest, you know, ACDC, these guys are all getting older. When they move on, who, who's going to step up to fill that void? And if the younger generation is not supporting the music by buying it because they want it for free, and if they're not going to shows, what happens to live music, especially like, you know, heavy metal and, and hard rock music where it doesn't have the publicity of, you know, pop music or country music? I, I think that that probably will wane uh, continually. I don't see the resurgence that we keep hoping for, uh, at least in the States. I just don't see it. Uh, I could be completely wrong. This is just my personal opinion. Uh, you know, where's punk? Where's punk? It's it's underground. If, if punk is uh, underground where it used to be big, you know, the Sex Pistols and the Clash and everything at some point had a big peak. But now they're, you know, it's just like anything else, like I mentioned with the Bee Gees. Um, we end up becoming the dinosaurs, too. And we're not 20, so we can't, you know, hope to uh, fill the void of Priest and Maiden when those guys say, you know, hey, we're done, we're going to hang it up. It's going to have to come from bands younger than us. And I know that there's some groups out there, but... There's no label support. Uh, the labels that do snatch up anybody, you better you better nail it on the first get go around because you know there's they're not going to put much faith in the band growing and becoming uh, a bigger a bigger act. You know when Priest started, they were a blues band. They never they were not even close to being what they are now. Uh, True. The metal act that they're known for, they had to develop into that. There's there's just no chance for that to happen with new acts. If you don't hit it, it's all about the bottom line, and you're done. It's incredible. Well, you know, you were just talking about record labels. You also, you know, own Razor Ice Records. You know, so you're kind of like on both ends of it. You're the musician who plays in a band, and somebody owns owns a record label also. I mean, how has the business end of it, you know, changed for you over the years since you started the label? It's uh, honestly, when it comes to to uh, to trying to get distribution, it's extremely difficult. It's expensive. If you do try to do that, if you try to get any kind of like, uh, you know, cap ends on or the end uh, ends of aisles at Best Buy, it's, it's extraordinarily expensive. It's it, it's impossible because now they've even, you know, cut their musical uh, selections down so small. Um, it makes it virtually impossible for a new act to get in there unless you're paying big bucks. And then when you try to just, you know, uh, even 
negotiate with mom and pop stores that are still somehow living and breathing. They, they, they don't want to pay you very much. Or if you're trying to do swap distros with other uh, labels over in Europe, they, they just want to trade. They don't want to buy. No one wants to buy. Oh, hey, I got so-and-so band no one's heard of. Uh, we'll take uh, we'll take uh, reverence and we'll take uh, you know uh, masquerade and we put out some TNT stuff. We'll take the the stuff that everybody knows, but we're going to give you garbage that no one's heard of. And I don't I don't mean to say garbage because everybody starts out small at some point, but it, it's it's definitely not apples per apple, you know. Um, it, it just is definitely not where it used to be, and I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, is it, you think it's going to be strictly online? I mean, you know, buying and selling records for for labels like yourself is that pretty much the, the way that you have to go today? Is doing it online? I think uh, I think the majority of it does go that way. There's still the the old school people that, and somehow we've had a resurgence of vinyl. So even yeah. when Darkness was put out on vinyl, so there's still some real popularity, even with some of the younger kids that are. Uh, those are somehow drawn to it. I was in Sam's Club the other day and saw, you know, they had a re- record players and all that. Really? I can't believe that. But yeah, there's a little bit of a resurgence, but it's not really any, anything of consequence. It's going to make make uh, a band big again. Uh, so, I mean, there are always going to be some vinyl. There's going to be some, some CDs, but it's definitely moving more and more to digital. For sure. Yeah, I, I've actually seen a couple of bands lately put CDs out. I'm not sorry, a cassette out. They put a cassette out again. Like I haven't seen oh. a call with a cassette player. I don't <laughs> in probably ten or fifteen years, unless you have one in yeah. your house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now this this player I saw in Sam's actually it was like it looks like this one of these old Victrolas, but it yeah. actually had a cassette player in the side of it. And I'm like, oh my god, I can't. They actually had a cassette. So there's obviously got to be some reason to put a cassette player in something like that but it was a record player cd burner you could burn off of your tapes or your records to a cd and then play cds and it was actually a really cool little thing for like 170 bucks but i was just surprised to actually see those things even available well like i said i think a lot of the labels i can't put out the you know the cassettes and the vinyl i mean more and more labels are doing vinyl it's like i said to appeal to people of our age who grew up with that and want it and probably still have stereos and equipment to play it on, and it makes us feel like yeah. we're kids again. And and it's and like I'll always buy any vinyl that comes out because I just love having it. You know, it's, it makes me feel like when I was a teenager. Yeah, because well, you don't get that same a uh, feel when you buy a digital. It's like it's intangible. It's just on your computer. Whereas you know the big records, you're like, oh wow, you know exactly like you feel. I'm a kid again. I can touch it. I can open it. I can look at the pictures. I can read the credits. I used to read these credits and lyrics. I, countless times, you yeah. know, I'm reading the old Motley Crue record when it came out, wondering what in the heck Krell was. What's Krell? Well, <laughs> we, we found out once we, you know, a little while later, what we knew what Krell was. But <laughs> we made this on uh, Jack and Krell. Okay, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> but but it's true. I mean, I remember reading the liner notes and looking up people's names on there and saying when they play live, I want to see if I can recognize these people backstage, like walking around the roadies and stuff. It's just, you know, you lived and you breathed yeah. it. It was like, it, it was an experience. And these kids today, they don't get it. And I think they kind of missing out on the whole, you know, that whole thing when it comes to music. of feeling included, like, in the band for, like, everything they gave you with the album. Yeah, what it does is it actually makes uh, the digital aspect makes it so, so uh, disposable, too. It just, it's just a file. It's it's not that big a deal. It's They didn't really earn it. I, I mean, I had to mow yards to, to save my money to go buy the, the new... Uh, you know, uh, Triumph record, and 
you know, I, I would look forward to it. And I couldn't wait. Oh, man, it's coming out. Now you're going to save my money for it. And it, it was different. You know, things were tangible. Now it's just like a, it's just a file. You know, they give it to their friend. And I did tape trading. I won't lie. You know, I mean, if you want to call that thieving or whatever back then. But uh, nowadays it's on such a huge epic scale, it's actually massive impacts on bands. You know, I mean, it impacts even big bands now. But oh, yeah. The, the the mentality is though that it's just it's not a real tangible product. They didn't really work hard for it. It was only ten bucks, and it's just disposable. Okay, next. Okay, I'll download this one. This one's uh, this one's free. Oh, that one's kind of sucked. You know, when we bought records, if it sucked, you were stuck with it. That's right. <laughs> you you know? made you made sure you learned to like it because it cost your money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nowadays you can just buy one or two songs. It's 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 a totally different mentality. Everything's changed so much. It's actually difficult to grasp as a yeah. as a mid forties adult. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but you know, Brian, it's true because like when you bought a record when you were younger and you went in your house and you played it, and you know we used to play side by side. Sometimes that record didn't grab you the first time you put it on, or or the song didn't hit you, and you played it a couple of times. And sometimes you did learn to love that album and become a big fan of that band. Where, like it says, Terry, right. kids will play ten seconds of a digital song, so not not for me, and never give it a chance again, and, and it's gone. They don't give it the time to grow. Yeah, no, there is, there was none of that. There's none of that now. I mean, if if the riff doesn't grab somebody or a, some kind of melody or something doesn't grab somebody, next, they just click a button, and that's it. I mean, and that's what you have to grab people within, and you better get to that chorus real quick. You know, there's none of these big, long, drawn-out, I mean, Rush would have died if they had come out now. You know, there's no way they could survive. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. But I, but I agree with you. Like, you know, when I, when I play the new record, you know, you have that. There, there were hooks, there were catches, there were choruses, there were memorable lines to remember. You repeat the stuff so people it beats into the head. But I do hear a lot of bands today where they play songs that they're going for like eight or nine minutes and they don't repeat anything. And I'm like, I'm completely lost. I don't remember the riff. I don't remember a melody or a line. And I'm talking about some pretty big bands that you know that have back in the day had some of the catchiest songs ever. I don't know if bands just forgot how to write catchy music or they think it's not cool to write music that people remember. I don't get it. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you're talking about anybody specific. I mean, you may have somebody in mind that you're not talking about. But I mean, I, there's been the last few Megadeth records where you know I like Megadeth. I've always picked Megadeth over Metallica, but that's just me. And you know, some of the stuff Dave would come up with, it's like, eh, okay, it's not very catchy. It's not that great. The riff, the riff is just kind of limp. You know, I mean, I, I can't explain why we and people, you know, may like our stuff and why we maybe harken back to the older days when there was quality music. Um, I don't know why they wouldn't be able to still do that unless there's a mentality change that's just like, yeah, you know, we live on our laurels and we, we just play the old stuff from, you know, uh, you know, what P sells and that's all anybody wants to hear anyways. We just put a new record out to, you know, make a few extra bucks and it just doesn't matter anymore. I, I, maybe that's part of the mentality when you get older, but we haven't reached that part yet. Well, I'm glad you haven't. Yeah, but I do agree with you. I mean, I mean, I'll even say Metallica. I mean, you go to see them live, and you know, you get the people like myself who grew up on the first three or four records, and you're dying to hear some of those songs. And they do like a five minute medley of like ten songs thrown together and bits and pieces. They don't sound the same. I'm like, ah. You know, I, I, you get like so disappointed. Like, you know, I want to hear a couple of your older tunes, not five of them random together like in a ten minute segment. But that's what you get sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, everybody wants to hear the song from, you know, their youth. Those were those were the 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 songs to our I mean, when a song comes up and I hear Battery, you know, or whatever, oh yeah, I remember where I was at when I heard that. But you don't want to hear a yeah. medley between Sanitarium and Battery and, 
you know, <laughs> in those songs. Yeah. You want to hear the song, man. I mean, kick, punch me in the teeth. That's what I. That's what I came here for. Yeah. You know. You were uh, uh, you were you you brought you brought up uh, King Diamond uh, just before I came on. I heard, and I'm I'm yeah. we're actually going to we're going to see the Detroit show, and I'm really looking forward to that. So I hope he doesn't do too much of that whole medley thing. Um, no, no, he's know. doing the whole he's doing the whole Abigail record from start to finish, and I think he has yeah. a couple of extra songs at the end he throws in. But even King Diamond, I saw him twice this year. You know his solo stuff, I love it. But you know a lot of people want to hear the Merciful Face stuff, and when he does like those two or three songs, like in the middle of the set, he does do the whole songs the right way. The crowd just goes ballistic, and I'm like, it's time yeah. for a Merciful Fate reunion. You know. Yeah, it's been. I mean, look at you got Denner and 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 uh, Hank doing an album together, crying out loud, yep. man. I mean, I mean, I mean, King has been kind of off the radar for a while, and I I really loved his. He did like a a best of here a little while back that I got that I just it's really great, and you know, and I I love the King stuff too, but the Merciful Fate stuff is is uh, is where it's <laughs> you know and and. Those guys are out making a record. Come on, man. Come on, come on. Give me those guys making a merciful fate record. Quit screwing around. I know. I hope it happens. But I have to tell you, like, we saw him last year. He sold out the place instantaneously. Now, this year, he's coming back again. He sold out three nights in a row, one, like day after day. And this is like, a, I think, a 2,000 seat place, I want to say. So, I mean, it's hard yeah. for him. I guess, you know, say, why would I go to Muscle Fate right now when I'm doing, you know, I'm doing so well with this? I, I kind of get that. But as an old fan, I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, if you want to take that, you know, round robin, come back around, that's the whole reason that TSO will never go back to Sabotage, um, because it just makes too much darn money, and they just don't see a point in it. No matter how much we all want, you know, and obviously Chris is going, so it won't be the same anyways, but, you, you know, everybody wants to hear Mountain King. Well, they'll they'll just do those kind of songs in TSO, but they're not the same. I mean, they did 24 hours ago at back, and, and it was slowed down. It was boring. Yep. It, it, uh, come on, stop, stop! Just play the TSO stuff. You're ruining it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But but isn't it funny? So you know, because without Chris, it's not the same. And a lot of people, I don't think that guy got enough credit when he was alive for his guitar playing. He really, and a lot of people always pin it on John, like he was the voice of the band, you know, the writer of the band. But Chris's guitar was so integral to the sound of that group. You know the difference between the albums he was on and the albums he wasn't on. It's just amazing. Yeah, it really saddens me when people say, oh, you know, Handful of Rain was so great, or the Live in Japan with Alex was, oh, it was fantastic. He nailed it. He was like, man, he was like really living the spirit of Chris Oliva and playing it no for no. Uh, no, he didn't. He, he he didn't. It was, I love Alex and Testament. I love the last couple of Testament records, but his attempt, and no bashing on Alex, man, it was a poor attempt at covering Chris Oliva because that guy was godlike on guitar, at least in my opinion. Um, well, I, a lot of fans feel that way, and I always it bothers that he doesn't get the attention he deserves. I mean, they'll praise Dimebag, and he was a great guitar player, but he couldn't hold the candle the the Chris Lever, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I gotta agree with you. I gotta agree with you. But you know, I mean, the popularity is where where, where the spotlight shines. So, uh, sabotage never really broke, and and when Chris didn't get that limelight that he should have gotten for his talent. Um, that's not taking anything away from Dime or anybody else, but it's just um, that's just how the cookie crumbles, I guess. They just didn't make yeah. it. I know. Hey, well, Brian, what do you do? Have those guys? I, I don't begrudge those guys in TSO either. You know, those guys they got to make a living. They hit on something, and it and it it makes them a gobs of money. It makes a lot of people happy. You can't begrudge those guys, but I just wish they would just leave sabotage alone. That's all. Yep, I agree. <laughs> 
<laughs> to see what happens. <laughs> but, but Brian, what do you have? Do you have anything lined up for this year? Or are you going to wait till 2016 to kind of kick things off with the record? And are, are you you think you'd be able to get out on a little bit of a tour and get around the country a little bit this year or next year? Well, yeah, we're not going to do anything this year. We're too close to the end of this year with the holidays yeah. coming up. It eats up everybody's time. So, um, and, and honestly, I'd rather. I own my own business as well as the label, and so my business starts to wane a little bit in the in the in the winter months. So this is my time to write versus go out and try to play. So, um, but we're definitely looking at doing shows for next year, and I, I hate to say it, but it's going to be probably focused more on Europe. Um, having that we've been over there many times and obviously Todd's got a following with Riot over there and I've been over there with Blade many, many times and then Sabotage's got a following. So it's that's uh, if we could play some shows in the States, I'd be more than happy to do it. I'd, I'd probably be willing to play for just about nothing just to be able to do it because it's more cost-effective, honestly. Um, and, and maybe we will be able to pull out a few local shows. You know, we did some warm-up shows uh, before we went to Europe last time at in Soaring Eagle Casino, uh, middle of uh, the state of Michigan, and um, some a show in Detroit. So we're hoping we can get a few together at least, but probably, primarily going to probably be focused on Europe. I guess I'm going to have to plan a European vacation around one of your shows. That's all. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the wife will be happy. <laughs> the wife will be happy, so that's all that matters. That's right. Happy wife, happy life. That's right. Hey, well, Brian, man, look, it was great catching up with you again, man. Gods of War, you did an amazing job on this. Where's the best place for people to pick up the record and to keep in touch with the band to find out what's going on? Well, there's uh, there's mom and pop shops around the states that are carrying it. Uh, probably the best place to support the band would be our own website, which is reverencemetal.com. Uh, it's available on all the digital outlets, so it's all over Amazon and iTunes and Spotify and Rhapsody and everywhere like that. So, uh, but if you want to support the band, I I uh, would appreciate everybody that does so coming to uh, the band's website, ReverenceMetal.com first. That sounds great, but I'm going to get on a new tune off the record, and hopefully we'll do this again in less than three years. I certainly hope so. If I got anything right. to say, just hopefully uh, the stars align. <laughs> you got it. Hey, take care, Brian, and have a good time. And the best of luck with the record. Thanks, Mike. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having yeah, me on the show. Anytime. Take care. Take care. Bye -bye. All right, Brian Holland of Reverence. Let's get on one more tune off the record. Here's Battle Cry.
right, Arch giving us Paradox right there. All right, Keith Latour now from Shallow Ground. We'll be calling in in about 20 minutes. We'll get on a couple of more tunes between now and then. Uh, Frontier Records all week has been talking about giving us a little teaser of uh, the new Last in Line record that comes out with, uh, you know, uh, Vinny Apice and all the other guys from the deal, Ben Vivian Campbell. I was really curious to see what Vivian Campbell is writing like today. I mean, you know, being a Def Leppard for so many years and being a part of that shit music, which he probably doesn't even get involved in the writing process on. I was curious to see if he could recreate those, you know, old songs. They give you like a 10-second uh, teaser clip of the song uh, Devil In Me, and it's basically one note hit twice. I stretched out for the 10-second clip. I'm like, what the fuck is that all about? I mean, come on. Put up 30 seconds, a minute. Let people get a little taste, a little vibe of the song, you know, to hear what it's about. This isn't the 80s where you're like, we're clinging on the edge of our seats for this. Most people could care less. You know, being an old school fan and everything that went on with Dio and Vivian Campbell and most of the guys resurrecting the band, you know, with Andrew Freeman now taking over the, the vocals. I just, Claude, Claude uh, Schnell just left the group also, keyboard player. I don't know, they gave some excuse that, you know, uh, he came in to do fill-in work on the on the earlier records and then enhance the sound, uh, but the core of the band was the four of us. I don't know what the hell that was all about, but it seems like this project is going to go down before it even takes off. Uh, we'll see what happens. I, I am curious to hear the whole album. Uh, I actually should go onto my Frontier Records account. I bet you it's up there. <laughs> I haven't even checked, uh, but I'll do it after the show. And if it is, I will get on a tune uh, when I get back. Uh, there won't be any live show next week, next Sunday, or the Sunday after that, because I will be on vacation. But we are back uh, that Thursday for the Metal Matinee. We still have this Thursday's Metal Matinee, which is live. But when we come back, Greg Fulton from Snow White is our guest. And I believe Terry Dark from Jameson Raid. I'm not sure if he's on the first week or the second week of the month. We just started setting up the December shows now. I have to let everybody know. But we did a couple of interviews with some bands uh, last week. I'm going to get those on in the next two weeks. Uh, Madam Mayhem was one of them. She's got a pretty cool new record out. Uh, not your typical music that we play on the show. It reminds me more of Nine Inch Nails and in that vein, but it's not too bad. So uh, the interview was pretty cool. So sit back and enjoy it. All right, let me see what I can do for everybody right now. Uh, we'll jump into another song in a minute. Also, uh, there's this new project called Hail Mary. Uh, Sig Phallic from uh, Overkill, uh, who was on the show a few months ago. Also has Bobby Gustafsson, the guitar player from Overkill, the man who really wrote the bulk of those great Overkill tunes back in the day. And uh, John Gallagher from Raven is in the band. Uh, I think it's a little side project that they're doing, trying to raise money. Uh, one of the members of Sid's band, the guitar player, his wife, they've lost her leg in an accident. And, uh, you know, they're trying to raise money for her. And uh, I think Bobby put this whole band together. Maybe they'll want to come on the show. we got to reach out to Sid, see if the whole group wants to come on, and we'll talk about it. And, uh, you know, try to help raise money for that great cause. Uh, what else is happening here? Uh, I saw that great white frontman Jack Russell was filming a documentary on the fire uh, that happened. I think it was over a decade ago, uh, if I'm correct. Uh, don't quote me on the year, uh, because it says he never really had the chance to say thank you. I think you know after a decade you could have said thank you a million times over. And I mean I don't get making a documentary on it. It's just like an attention grabbing thing. I, I feel for him. Uh, and, and bring it. I don't know why he would want to bring it up. I mean, the people that died, it was like over 100 people that died and 200 more that were like really injured badly. I mean, that's the last thing they need is a documentary on, on their pain and suffering to make Jack White feel better. You know, I, I mean, to make uh, I, I, Jack Russell feel better. I was never a fan of Great White to begin with. I've always hated that band. I mean, I felt like they really contributed nothing to the scene except for doing a remake of an old song and making it popular. I don't know. Just me rattling on. All right, enough of that shit. Let's get back to the music. How about some axe attack? Stand and fight. Hey, 
by Jag Pans of a Cardiac Arrest. The original name of that song was called Break It. It appeared on the first cut of uh, that record, License to Kill, when it came out, before they changed the name to Ample Destruction. Uh, and that's kind of where I got the name from the song, uh, the name of the show from. I was listening to that song when I decided to do this program, and I remember hearing Heavy Metal Mayhem, and that was it. And that's how it came about to be. Before that, Malaya Rage, and before that, Axe Attack. We'll get on one more song, and how come we got so much time left in the show? Oh, I forget that I have it set till 8.30 now. We don't usually go to 8.30, but just to have the extra time, I put it on there. Uh, Keith will be calling in in a few minutes. We'll get on one more tune. Let's see if I can find a quick little ditty, and then we'll go into some shallow ground or something else. We'll see what it is. I was just reading that Wolf Hoffman is working on his first solo record. That should be pretty cool. I mean, people always talk about Tony Iommi being like the riff master, but Wolf Hoffman, man, I mean, think of everything from the first except record to the latest one. The man is an amazing songwriter. He comes up with some of the greatest riffs ever. I mean, it's just incredible. Other people have contributed to the writing over the years, but he's always been the main songwriter in the band. Uh, and Peter does help him out a lot with the songs over the years, but it's really Wolf. So I'm curious to see what this record is going to be like. It's supposed to be a classical record, uh, but I don't think it's going to be like truly a purely a classical record. It's got to be some rock and metal mixed into it. But I also don't think he can go too much, too much in the metal vein because he doesn't want to sound like except either. So I'm curious to see what he comes up with. I know we'll have Wolf on the show when it comes out. He's been on the show many times before in the past, and we'll get him back on again when that album does hit. I'm thinking 2016, sometime the first half of the year. So we'll see what comes out with that. All right, uh, what do we have here? 7:25. Eh. All right, we got time for one more tune. Let me see what I can do for everybody right now. How about uh, we go and do a little torch, and then we'll jump into a band called Off the Wall. This was Keith's band before Shower Ground. I grabbed this from the demo tape that I got back in the day. First, let's do Fire Razor. <laughs>
All right, we have Keith on the line. Let's connect him and get this interview going. Keith, oh how my. are you, my friend? You like I, that, huh? Oh, my God, man. <laughs> 88 right there, dude. Yeah, <laughs> off the wall. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, wow. Just brought back some memories. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that where it all started? Was that the first, like, you know, real band that you were in? No, no, I was in I was in a band called uh, Forgotten Realm right before that, and I was in another band called Disaster. Um, that one right there was the first serious thrash stuff I was doing, you know. Yeah, was that the first recording? Did you record anything with the other groups? Yeah, I recorded a few things to the other guys, but nothing, you know, nothing that wasn't lost to time, you know. Yeah, yeah, that that was a good tape too. Yeah, well, we we uh, re-recorded with Shallow Ground. Uh, a few songs off that CD or off that cassette tape. Yeah. So that was done on our first one, uh, End of Everything. That's some good stuff. Hey, look, Shallow Ground, Embrace the Fury is out now. And you follow it up. I mean, it's only been two years since the last record, which is pretty good. I mean, The End of Everything came out in 2013. Uh, right. So you guys have been really active over the last couple of years. It's, it seems like we're, we're always playing a show. We're always doing something. You know? I hear that. And and we're we're like we're all old married guys, so it's uh you know we we make it to practice like once a week. <laughs> it gets harder. It does get harder. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. when you wife, kids, house, all that kind of stuff, it gets it I gets know. to you. The the band did start in the early nineties, uh, but it just seems like things didn't really take off till the last five or six years or so. Right. Well in the early nineties we're more progressive. Uh, I would say we're more like uh prog. Uh, a lot like Fate's Warning, you know, old, uh, maybe Obsession kind of stuff, you know, Connecticut Roots there, you know. Yeah. Uh, we had a singer that was, you know, really high-end John Archie. And that just, you know, it was cool, but it just wasn't me. Um, then, you know, uh, my daughter was born in 98, and I just put everything on hold for like 10 years. And then I came back to it, and I got back hold- I got back with Tim. And uh, we we started toying around like uh, we call it, we call it Christmas jams, and we we learned a whole bunch of cover tunes. We would all meet at his house for Christmas, and you know just have a whole bunch of musicians just show up and start playing. And I was just like, hmm, maybe we should think about getting the band back together. And Tim was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I recruited Kurt, and there the rest is history. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it occurs to me what you said you got back together around 2009 or so, right? Right, right. I mean, I tell you what, I, I I didn't touch a guitar for ten years. Wow, you know, was I, hard put, I put everything again? down. I was I was just nothing. I didn't, you know, acoustic every I mean, maybe once every six months I'd pick it up. And was all it to difficult? have all the guitars I got rid of. <laughs> uh, but was it difficult getting back into it again and and you know relearning? It was like riding a bike, stuff? man. I, yeah, it was, it was. I I picked it up and you know I didn't lose any. You know, I didn't lose any speed actually. I gained speed on my hands. I was like, where the hell did this come from? <laughs> That's great. Well, I mean, a different sounding band today, like it says, and the band that originally started in the 90s, uh, was it just right. like the, the way you went over the years musically? You know, your interest changed and you felt like this is where the band should be at today? Well, it's it's basically where we feel it should be. Um, like, well, you heard the off the wall you just played. Yeah. Now, that, to me, that, that's, that style of music, the the speed, the fast, the thrash is, you know, basically I say my soul swims in thrash. I love thrash. I, I I love thrash. Anything fast that just gets you going with a good beat and then you get a good mosh rhythm thrown in and then back to thrash with, with some killer guitar lead, dude, I'm hooked. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, yep. that's just that's just what I love. Well, yeah, it's one of the genres over the years. I mean, since metal took off in the early eighties, that's kind of stood the test of time. You know, I mean, there have been a lot of bands, and they're still doing it today. I mean, it hasn't really faint. Like you know, hair metal was in, then it was out. Power metal came and went, but that you know, thrash metal, it kind of like you know, stood its ground over the years. Yeah, basically, everybody who's, who's into thrash just it, it's it, it it's not the uh, how can I say it's not the cool kid on the block. It's not trying to be something that you're not. It's just you. You either you love it or, or you don't. <laughs> That's the only yeah. way I can put it. It's true. It's true. Do you, do you think uh, you know the music scene today is more receptive than it was when the band first started in the nineties? It's just it's such a different animal. You know when you get when you have Facebook and there, right now there is more bands out there than I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, back in the eighties, early nineties. In Connecticut, you know, in, in you know northern New England area, there was maybe you count on on two hands maybe the bands that were, you know, big draws and people loved and you know you go see them, and you know, put a couple flyers out and two hundred people would show up. Yeah. Now it's like now it's like you pepper Facebook, you do everything you can, and there's seven other shows the same night you're playing. So it's you know it's just like it's tough to get people out. But I understand it because everything you play a song and they can they could just go on the internet and you know after the gig and there there's the stuff you just played live. You know. Yeah, it's true. Well, well how's the scene in Connecticut today? Because Connecticut was had a really good scene in the eighties, very powerful scene. You had Liege Lord in the area, uh, Obsession, like you were saying before. A lot of bands came from that area. Yeah, Liege Lord. I remember, yeah, I remember going to the Brickenwood over there in the eighties. Ah, uh, the Brickenwood was friggin' awesome. Yeah. Uh, we have a place now. We have a place in, in Connecticut now called Cherry Street Station, and Cherry Street is probably the is is the thrash place, the metal place. Uh, that and Cooks, um, they're two the places that held the test of time. You know, uh, matter of fact, Obsession just played. Uh, Mike came back, and yeah. he, they put his, he put Obsession together, and they played uh, at Cherry Street this past Friday. You know, the Friday. Friday thirteenth, when our or the day our CD came out, they were That's playing right. very. So That's pretty we're cool. Actually, actually, we're 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 playing with uh, Camelot and Dragon Force. Don't ask me how we got that gig um, <laughs> this coming Friday, and then we're playing. Uh, we got direct support to Exodus. Um, they got a spinoff show from the King Diamond tour uh, up here in Connecticut, and we got direct support with, with them with a band called Nasty Disaster. So I'm pretty stoked about that one coming up next Sunday. That'll be a great show. I mean, I mean, look, you're playing, you're playing with bands that really have big crowds. I mean, Dragon Force and Camelot. I don't know how you guys. Are, I mean, you're really gonna have to work to win over that crowd with, you know, with the audience. Oh yeah, well, we, we're, we're gonna be on like. There's two different stages. There's the main stage, and then there's the underground. We're gonna be on the underground. Oh okay. But it's it, it's 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 gonna be, you know, kind of strange to see how that crowd reacts to us when they're used to power metal and, you know. The speed part will be there, but you know, we'll see. Is that a challenge? You look at it as a challenge, like trying to win over fans based on a different group in a different genre of metal. No, not really, because uh, well, it's not a cocky or anything, but you know, we're 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 really tight at what we do, and uh, you know, if if you if you like good tight stuff, you know, people like us. If you don't, then you know. If you don't like us, then you just don't like us. Yeah. 
How can you say it? You know, sounded kind of kind of you know uh, snobby there, but not meant to be. No, but I get what you're saying. You know, you're a fan or you're not. I mean, the bottom line, that's it. We're not going to change who we are. We can't change who we are. This is who we are. Ah, exactly. <laughs> I believe get it. I, I speak metal. I know exactly where you're coming from. Yeah, and what yeah. You're <laughs> trying to, trying to be politically correct without sounding not politically correct. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't have to be politically correct on this show. We we talk about everything. <laughs> Nothing sacred on this uh, over here. You can say whatever yeah. you want. No, it's good to know. Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. But like I was saying, it's a great follow-up to the end of everything. Definitely a big progression from one album to the next. I mean, were any of the songs on this record stuff that you held held over from like maybe the last album? Or was everything kind of new? Oh yeah, um, uh, we actually Human Flame, that was an old old uh, old off the wall tune that we brought back. Um, I can't see letting stuff like that that's that good just die. You know, yeah. we brought back um, a song called Looking Glass from. I think we recorded it in 94 with Shallow Ground. And we brought that one back, and we kind of thrashed it up a little bit, which which is on the new CD, which is pretty good. Um, I kinda, I'm really digging how it came out. Um, yeah, I just lost my old train of thought. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no, I, yeah. Well... I mean, listen, you and Tim have been together since the beginning of this. Like I said, you reached out to him again. You and Tim are also off the wall together. You're like the Lennon and McCartney of, like, Thresh Metal. You guys have been oh, well, together no, for actually, a really he, long time. He, yeah, actually, he wasn't in He wasn't in off the wall with me. He was, really? I uh, thought he was in that he band. A, nah, he was in a band called Bad Image. Oh, wow. I thought, yeah, I thought uh, he was always in that band. No, no, he was always, we were always in Shallow Ground together. We started that in 92, I believe, 91 or 92. So. I see. I stand corrected. I made my I made a mistake. Oh, oh! Well, I'm sorry. I just lost my train of thought again because I'm. That that's I, okay. I got, <laughs> I got the stupid giant game on in the background. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> All right, now I walked away from it, so I you have nah, divided attention. Yeah, we'll wrap this up in a few minutes anyway. Don't worry about it. But uh, what do you guys have plans for the rest of the year? Anything coming up right now, or besides those two shows, or? You're looking to make everything happen next year because you know it's kind of a slow time around the holidays. Yeah, yeah. Right now we have uh, we have three three shows coming up to before the end of the year, and then one after the beginning of the year. Uh, like I said, we got Camelot and Dragon Force next Friday. Then we have uh, the big show Exodus, um, Exodus and Nasty Disaster on uh, Sunday the 22nd, and then December 5th um, we're playing with uh, Mobile Death Camp. And oh, cool. we played with them a few times. I really, I really like Todd and uh, and his band. You know, good, good, good thrash. Absolutely, good stuff and there. Then we're playing, yeah. Then we're playing something January eighth, I believe. So we, we oh. and then we're going to concentrate on probably some new material. We got a new bass player uh, mid September. Um, our old player, bass player, just you know, he fell in love with the symphonic metal and. That's where his heart was, so he said, you know, have fun, enjoy, no ill will. And we got a new uh, new bass player, Mark Krzyzewski, and the dude is fantastic. So uh, excellent. Everything's uh, working uh, out pretty well. That's good. Hey, well, Keith, you know, I'm going to get on a song. We're going to wrap up today's show. You know, nice job with Embrace the Fury. Where's the best place for people to find out what's going on with the band, and more importantly, to pick up a copy of this record? Oh, you can go to you can go to um, our our website, which is uh, www.shallow-ground.com, and you can get anything you want and every information you want from there uh, off our off the site. Um, 
we will have CDs. Uh, if you want to order it as an import, you can get it through the record label uh, out of Killer Metal Records out of Germany. Yeah. So you know, if you want if you want it as an import, you could do that, or you can get it from us. But <laughs> right now, actually, we're supposed to have the uh, have the CDs as of Friday, and they haven't showed up yet. <laughs> They, they just they I guess they're they're in customs or something going through so. Well, hopefully it'll be here soon, but people can pick it up over there if they have to wait. But Keith, man, it was right. great talking okay. to you today. I'm gonna get on. No, I'm gonna get on Human Flames since we were talking about that. Right. You can. Uh, do you have the have it on the new one or the old one? Not a new one. Uh, okay. Well, I saw you. You were playing me off the wall. I was like, maybe you can run them both back to back to see the differences. Well, I, yeah, I can get that. I can try to get them both on if you want. We got, if we have time after this is over, I'll put them both on What's if that? we have time. If I have enough time in the show, I'll put them both on back to back. All right, but uh, I hope you like it. And my favorite tune off the off Embrace the Fury is Once Again. So All right, we'll do that that's, also. That's like my all time favorite on that. You got it, Keith. It sounds good to me, man. All right, man. Anytime, and uh, hopefully we can catch you at one of these shows. I would love to do that. We'll make it happen. All right, man. Have a good one. Take Thank care. you very much. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Keith will turn out from shallow ground. Uh, he's got the football game on, obviously. So uh, let's get on Human Flame.
Cyclone fall under his command. Man, I wish that band would get back together. There was a pretty cool concert on uh, YouTube. Uh, I don't remember when it was done. It had to be maybe 10 years ago at one of the festivals. They sounded great. Man, I would love to have them come back and put out a new record. Such a big fan of those guys. All right, we're down to the last few minutes of the show. We're going to wrap it up pretty soon. Uh, join me Thursday for the Metal Matinee at 12 p.m. EST. It'll be the last live show for the next weekend that we're heading away. But next Sunday and the Sunday after that, I kind of uh, pre-recorded the next two shows. We have uh, John Adams of Love and War on next week and Madam Mayhem. And the week after that, we have uh, Fang von Raffenstein from the Lords of the Trident and Brett Blackout from Van Laid. Uh, so stick around, enjoy those shows, and we'll be back live the first Sunday of December with Greg Fulton from Snow White and I believe Terry Dark from Jameson Raid. And I will work on getting Axion on the show for my main email. We will get her on, I promise. We'll try to do it by the end of the year. And uh, for everybody here in the U.S. to celebrate Thanksgiving, you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. I'll be out to see when that takes place. So uh, enjoy your holidays. We'll be back after that. And I want to wish my parents a happy 50th wedding anniversary. It's this Friday night. We're going to have a big party for them. Uh, you know, so mom and dad, I got to thank you. I wouldn't be here doing this show, I guess, right? All right, let's send out a tune to my parents because this is what it sounded like for the last 50 years in that house. Except with Sounds of War, you guys have a great week. I uh, Take care. I love you. I'll see you when I get back. <laughs> 